This is Pastor Nathan Kirk, and I am so glad that you have decided to make Greater Life a part of your day by tuning in to the message that you're about to hear. We here at Greater Life are a group of people that are passionate about living for Christ, as well as service one to another. From our worship services, classes, and messages, we strive to love and serve with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I hope you enjoy the message you're about to hear, that it is a blessing to you, and that in turn you may be a blessing to others. If you're searching for a church to call your home, I encourage you to join us here at Greater Life. It's full of significance. It's full of meaning. And Jesus, when he, the night before he was, or the night of his crucifixion, he was brought to, he told his disciples to go and to prepare for a Passover so he would eat it with them. And it was really not just preparing for a ceremony or a tradition, but he was preparing to show them more about himself in this meal. Remember, I talked about the fact that he could have chosen at that point before his trial, before his crucifixion, and before all of those horrible events that were about to take place. He could have chosen at that point to talk to his disciples and to tell them. He was a master teacher, so he could have chosen at that point to tell them about all of the many things that there were to do regarding um, his, his up-and-coming um, crucifixion. He could have explained all of those things to them, but what he decided to do instead of just lecturing them is he decided to show them in a meal. He said, I'm going to teach you more about me in the form of a meal. And in his doing so, he of the, of the busyness and the many things that were coming, Jesus knew. He knew what was coming. He knew the betrayal was coming. He knew the trial was coming. He knew that the scourging and the crucifixion and the death were all coming. And so he stopped everything in all of this wave that was coming his way. He stopped everything with his disciples and slowed it all down to a crawl so that he could go through this meal with them. I think of our, our world that we live in, the world you live in, how often do we do that? Do we slow things down? <clears throat> or how often, rather, are we driven by the pace of the world that we live in? How often do we have obligations and responsibilities that we must attend to and so everything else will, will suffer. Everything else that's important or vital or necessary will suffer because of all of these things that we ha- are holding ourselves to that we must attend to. And so we don't take time to slow down for the things that really matter. <clears throat> Part of what I wanted to talk about just here tonight in this um, lesson and, why this, and how this applies to us is... This, this meal that Jesus went through with his disciples, also a meal that continues on today. In Exodus chapter 12, the Lord tells uh, the people of Israel, while they are preparing for this first Passover that they're going to have, he tells them that it is a, a tradition that they are supposed to keep and an ordinance that they are supposed to keep every single year forever. That's a long time. Forever's a long time. Like, Lord, don't you think it's been long enough? We kind of get the point. 
And that's kind of what we do with God. We say, Lord, I, I think we get the point. Can't we move on? And he keeps bringing us back, and he's saying, you don't get the point. So I'm going to keep teaching you, and I'm going to make it a rule. Oh, we don't like rules. Us red-blooded Americans, we don't like rules. Oh, boy. Okay, well. <clears throat> I was at a doctor's appointment the other day, and I was sitting in the lobby. Um, the, you know, like, you want to talk about slowing down where nothing happens. That's where it's at. You know, they make them, yeah, anyway. <laughs> and they give you, like, this false sense of hope. Oh, we're going to go take you to this room now. And you go to this room, and what do they do? You wait for, you wait longer. And then, you know, in that room, it's like a casino. There's no windows. There's no clocks. They just keep you there. And you're like, where am I? You're all of a sudden making deals to try to get out of there. Like, what can I do? <laughs> um. But I was sitting there and waiting, and, um, and the person that came to the counter to talk to the receptionist, um, he didn't have a mask on. And, like, I don't see anyone here with a mask, so, like, I'm not, I don't think anyone's going to be offended if I say this, and if you are, I don't, I don't really, I don't really care a lot. I, no, I care about you. I just don't care about this. So I do, I do care about you, just not this. Right now, not right now. Um, I'll, I'll care later. Um, anyway, he became very upset because the gal at the desk was just doing her job, by the way, but she said, sure, you have to wear a mask. And she goes, what, what are you going to do if I don't? <laughs> right, like, here we go. We're going to throw down. We're going to fight about this. And she said, well, I'll just call security. And he goes, well, what are they, they going to put a mask on me? And, like, they're, they're just going back and forth. And at the end of the day, he puts a mask on, and, you know, he, 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 and he sits down, and, you know, in the ultimate act of defiance, pulls it down so his nose is sticking out. I'll show you. Like, what? Yeah, so here's, here's why I'm going into this. We, we don't like rules, and that's a rule, like, even if we don't think it's necessary, we don't like rules. Um. And if we're not careful, that independence that we have, that independent streak that we have in our humanity will buck the rules of God. It'll buck his ordinances that he's put in place. It will buck his timing that we have in our lives. And it will refuse to align with his will for our lives. Even when, we, especially when we don't think it's necessary. Lord, I've learned my lesson. So let's just move on. And you know what happens when, when we tell the Lord that? He says, I'll just turn the heat up. That's fine. Because he, he, to a God that, that you know, like doesn't know time, or t time isn't a thing for him, it doesn't really matter. Oh, we're going to wait longer? Okay. Well, let's wait longer. The point of this, so the, what, the reason why I'm going into this is because there's this tradition that the Lord set in place for his people for a purpose, and it was to continually show them 
year after year after year who God was. And in that showing, you know, especially when you're younger and you're in your 20s and maybe even 30s, you don't necessarily appreciate some of those things, especially in your teenage years. Some of those things you don't really appreciate so much. You know, when Christmas is there, you're just like, just open the presents, you know, and, and the older that you get, you're like, no, let's just slow down and take our time with this. Let's appreciate this. Yeah. Um, so the Lord is intentionally making it an ordinance for His people to slow down. But how good are we at slowing down? So not good. If we're really good at something, we're really good at not slowing down. There, there's a principle, and I didn't, mean, I didn't mean to get into all of this here tonight, but there's a principle in Scripture that was instituted by God before any of this was instituted, and it was the principle of Sabbath. 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 Does anybody know what a Sabbath is? Of course we do. It's like the first Sabbath was the seventh day. Why didn't God just make a week with six days? Well, a week is seven days because he made an entire day. He designed, by his design, there's an entire day that he made and dedicated for rest. And Sabbath was made for us. He created, it's almost like a gift. Here you go. But what do we do with our Sabbath? We busy ourselves. And part of the point of Sabbath is also not just for rest, but also to trust God. So that in six days of, of work or toil or labor, you could, God can do more in those six days and with that one day of rest than what you could do in your efforts in seven days. If, in, during the time of harvest where every hour and every day counts and it matters, you still had to take a Sabbath. You can't, you can't go and gather. Well, why? Because God can bless you more if you honor his ordinances. We don't, we don't typically do that anymore. We, we find the overtime. Or we go busy ourselves with the extracurricular activities that are not rest. That's, I, this is just an insert here tonight. That's why I believe it's called recreation or recreation because we're trying to recreate Sabbath okay well anyway so I'm not so what does the Bible say about Sabbath any longer well it says you some people choose a day some people choose a little bit every day but whatever you do make sure you do it and make sure you do it to the Lord okay so the whole point of bringing this up here today is that the, the Bible and your God, like our God, is very intentional about taking his time through things. In this meal that we have, this Seder, which is the meal of, of Passover, the Passover meal, the main meal. This meal is a, it's an intentional meal designed to take its time to remember who God is and what he's done for you. 
So we're going to go through this here tonight. Um, the word Seder literally means, as you could probably see on the screen, it literally means order. It's when we have chaos, like I just love the whole thought of this. We have chaos in our world, and the Lord says, I'm going to slow everything down and bring order. Bring order. So this is one of the, one of the current practices of Passover, of this Passover meal. And in that, what would happen in a traditional Passover meal, as you can see, there's a plate with these different things that are set on it. Now, this plate is not intended to have, this is not an apostolic plate, okay, where you're intended to get full off of this. There's a meal that comes after this. Don't worry about that. But this is not what Pentecostals do, you know, like this is like moderation. And because it's not about the, the gorging and the stuffing of ourselves, it's about the intentional observance of what God has done in our lives. And we, what we can do here is we can see this and we can say, well, I, you know, there's like Hebrew words there and there's all this like symbolism and that, that doesn't really apply to us. But the story of God's people in bondage applies to you every day. It's your story too. It's our story. And it's, vitally important that we it's this and it's the same god who brings us through this so there's this there's even this book th these books that are private and there, there are many different variations of them but when you sit down if you were to sit down at a table and there was a host every spot in this table would have a little booklet which is called a haggadah and gesundheit and um and and it's like an order of the of the ceremony really an order of the meal that you go through and you read it together and you go through it together and everybody follows this Haggadah together, and, and it helps to guide you through this, this service, this meal, this ceremony, as you slowly work your way through it. It's a unique meal because it's a tradition, um, and it has this plate that is set up with specific items that have significant meaning. Um, these this plate that you would see has six different spaces on it, and around each space has a food which has a specific purpose in being placed there. There's an egg, which um, I don't know how to pronounce most of this, so I'm just going to say it, and you can just say that was good. Um, <laughs> yes, beitza is an egg, and that represents, it's a roasted egg or hard-boiled egg, which represents and symbolizes a temple sacrifice in the continued cycle of life. Um, it's, so it has all of the symbolism of, of it because it's round and, and the cycle of life, and, and it goes back to temple sacrifice. There's the um, bitter herb, which is pronounced moror, and it's kind of like a horseradishy herb to represent the bitterness of slavery and how bitter life was in slavery. There's the horoset, which is a... Um, nut or fruit paste symbolizing the mortar that was used to build the pyramids um, of the pharaohs. And they would, and during this meal, you will eat this, you'll consume this, and it's, it's continuing to bring, not just to your memory, but to your senses, this mortar that your ancestors, to the Jewish people, like the, your ancestors ate and or used in every day of their lives as you consume it, it's almost like 
the, that the Jewish people were consumed as a commodity by Pharaoh. There's the Zeroah, which is the lamb's shank bone, and it symbolizes the Passover sacrifice. Some use a chicken um, uh, because lamb is sometimes difficult to come by. Um, there's the, also the, uh, the lettuce-looking thing towards the bottom is the karpas, and that is a green vegetable, um, and it represents spring and renewal. And then there's the um, cherizet, which is a bitter herb um, symbolizing, um, with a similar meaning of the maror, which is the bitterness to represent the bitterness of slavery. This is all set on a table in front of you with a bowl of salt water to dip the karpas in that symbolizes this tears of slavery and a plate of matzah or unleavened bread that's to be used within the ceremony. There's also glasses of, um, traditionally it would be glasses of wine, but uh, we would drink grape juice and you could just pretend, that's fine. Um, or, or, you know, like I said, I think last week, like apostolic wine is like kombucha. You know, like that's what we, anyway, all right. Um, <laughs> if you want, if you dare. Um, and they would drink this four separate times, symbolizing four distinct promises that are found in Exodus. And we'll get into that in just a minute. But the meal begins with this placement of the Seder plates on the table with the matzah. And the matzah, the, the unleavened bread, is wrapped in this cloth and placed on the table, along with the seder plates around the table. And, and all of the glasses are filled with the beverage of choice that's there, and the haggadahs are set in everybody's place. And then an elder leads the seder and everybody through this. And, and, and it's not just for the adults, but it's also for the, for the children. Children play a crucial role in this, in this meal. And it's a slow meal. Do you remember last week how long I said the traditional one takes? Two to to three hours, a lot of the three hours. That's a long meal. I don't care who you are. That's a long meal. That's almost like two meals. It's time for two meals. And and for for us, what we like to do, and and I don't know about anybody else, but what we like to do in, in my family, we like to eat. We like to go. When you have five kids, you like to eat, and then kids put your coats on. I know the checks isn't here yet. Just put your coats on. Get ready. We're getting ready to go. Pull the vehicle up. We are going to be ready to exodus. See, see what I did there? But this isn't like that. This is a an intentional slowing down. Even tonight, you may say, well, why are we talking about this? Aren't there more important things to talk about? And, and the whole point of all of this is me just trying to bring out to us, but what's more important about reminding ourselves again about what God has brought us from and saved us from and brought us out of? Like, has that story gotten old? And that's one of the saddest things is this story can get so old. We're so, we're so quick to refresh. I just need, I need something new. I need something new. I need something new. But wouldn't it be nice if things just weren't always changing and if it just settled down a little bit? And that's kind of the whole point of all of this is, is 
to maybe help stop a little bit, stop letting, as an ordinance from God, like stop letting the world dictate your life. Just slow down. What's the rush? What's the hurry? What's the rush to make it through that green light that's turning not so green? It's, yeah, yellow on a good, yeah, yeah, yeah. that was yellowish. What's the rush? What's the hurry? What's the hurry to leave? You know, what, I think Brother Tatman used to say this uh, back in the day. Pastor Tatman used to say, when you back into your parking spot, is that right? At church, when you back into your parking spot, you're already thinking about leaving. What, what's that? Unless you're a truck. That's, that's, that's different, yeah. <laughs> but what's the hurry? What, 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 is, what is so important in this fallen world that we have to rush to and miss what, what God wants to do and miss maybe even reminding ourselves, like encouraging yourself in what God has done, but also then taking a moment and just honoring God. Like, we get so busy about our day, and there's this, there's this painstakingly slow meal where you, where you can't, like, grab your phone and, like, look through that. One of the, this is maybe just something really practical here tonight, but one of the key things that's important, not just for our young people, but for us to remember is that this thing does not have to run your life. Try to do this. Try to do this. When you have a meal with other folks, try to leave your phone in the other room. Oh, my word. We're going to have a church split. I can just see it right now. But what if something happens? What, what if something happens? You're not eating a three-hour meal every day. You'll come back to it. Just leave it. Or, or imagine, imagine this. Imagine just leaving your phone at home. You imagined it or you did that? Yeah. So what did you do? <laughs> your locker. <laughs> yeah. That's close. It's steps. Baby steps. Baby steps. Okay, that's good. That's good. What would happen? Do you remember, do you remember the days when you didn't have a cell phone? Does anybody remember that? Like, like it was this distant, distant dimension, like it's the twilight zone. When was that? Do you remember the day when you had to make a phone call and you could only go as far as that cord would let you go? You remember having a cord? If you had a 50-foot cord? Yeah, whatever. You probably did. And then, and then, and then all of a sudden, as you're talking on the phone, you hear a click, and, there's, and you're like, who's listening? Because someone in the house is listening to your conversation? And, and parents like, could stand there and just listen to your whole conversation. And you probably did that to your kids. Leave me alone. Give me some privacy. And, you know, like, 
And now we're like, oh, I'm just, I can't look at my kid's phone because they're worried about invasion of privacy. Okay, parents, let me just help somebody here tonight. Parents or parents-to-be someday, um, if you're paying for it, it's your phone. They don't, privacy? Like, and, and, and not only that, just don't give them a phone. Just say, oh boy, okay. Woo! As the youth, all the parents here are like, oh, come on, talk about it. And all the youth are like, I feel a rumbling in my spirit. There's an upstairs going, something's not right. We need to pray right now. <laughs> No, but parents, parents, grandparents, listen, don't give in. Don't give in. They, they, they feel like they need one. They don't need one. You know what they need? They need time with you. They need time with you. They need to slow, they need you to dictate the space and to say, let's slow this thing down. Part of the, part of the purpose of this meal is not just the tradition of it, and the grounding of it, which we talked about that last week, we need grounding, not to be grounded, um, but we need grounding. Some of you need to be grounded. Um, but it's, it's also, this, it's slow, it's intentionally slows your life down. There's a reason why I go to the Boundary Waters every year to get away from you. I mean, um, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. It's, I'm just teasing a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I was gone 14 weeks last year. No, I'm kidding. But, like, I go because it's, it, it's disconnected. And there's a beauty in, in that. And it slows everything down. Can I tell you, you don't have to go off-grid to slow everything down. You can intentionally disconnect. And that's, what this is, that's, what we're, that's one of the things I want to bring to us here tonight. There's the purpose of this meal, and the many steps of this meal are to slowly bring you through some things. Because oftentimes we want to work through things so quickly, and we never actually resolve things in our lives. I just want to work through it quickly. Just give me a quick fix. Lord, just give me a quick fix. There is no shortcut. Savannah for dental school, which you're nearing the, the end, right? The, the light at the end of the tunnel, doctor. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's no shortcut. <laughs> like she looked and researched. No, yeah. Like there's no shortcut. You got to go through it, right? To, so that you can have confidence in who you're going to see and treat with. We have to. Slow things down. Church, don't let the world dictate the pace. Don't let them. Slow it down. Where, what's the rush? What's the hurry? Because you're going to miss some things on the way. Number one. Number two, the things that God, re, how the Lord, I believe, really wants to reveal Himself in your life and the work that He wants to do in you is is revealed in the, in the slow pace, in the intentional pacing. Not to mention, the quick work is a work that only God can do. We can't do that. 
Okay. So we have this these plates with this little bit of food and other things set on there. Opens up with a blessing over the food and the drink that's there. and Everybody drinks their first drink of wine or juice. And the purpose of this is to begin with every drink that they have during this meal, every cup of juice, let's say, during this meal, it symbolizes, every time they drink it, it's a symbol of one of the four promises that are found in Exodus. Number one, that God will take his people out of Egypt. Number two, that God will redeem his people from their bondage. Number three, that God will redeem them, um, un- that he'll deliver them from bondage. Number three, that he will redeem them unto himself. And number four, that he will make his people a special people. After this, you take time to wash your hands, and everybody, a bowl goes around, and you wash your hands, and there's an intentional slowness and intimacy that's taking place during this meal. The next step into this is to take the karpas, which is that, that partially-looking stuff, and you dip that into um, the salt water, and you which represents the tears of slavery, and you recite a blessing and you eat it. And at this point, especially, and I said that children are a major part of this meal. At this point, the children are like, but when are we going to eat? This, this little parsley doesn't do it for me. When are, this salty, are you kidding me? When can I eat this? Can I eat that? Just give me something. And it, it's, and it, again, it's showing them. Because you can tell them all you want. We, if this is about showing them. So for us, sometimes it's easy to say all the right things. But why this is an ordinance from God is not just so we know what to say, but so that we actually do it. How many of us, well, okay. I'll put it like this. We know, if you were to say, we, you know, what should we do? We know the right things to do. We've gone through, we went through discipleship. We went through reach, teach, equip, send. We, we, we've gone through many of these things. How many of us, when it comes time to do, I know what to say, I know what to say we have to do. This is instilling within children, but also reflecting it back to yourself. It's more than just saying, it's doing, it's taking the time. So after this, the leader will take a piece of matzah, the unleavened bread, and he'll break it in two, and he'll wrap it up, wrap, he'll, he'll wrap one up and fold it back in, and, and I'll kind of get to that later. Then after the breaking of the matzah, what happens next is there are four questions that are asked. And, and the purpose of these four questions is to ask, the, it's, it, and these are asked by children. I love, how, I love that this is asked by children, intentionally asked by the youngest of the children. It says, what makes this night different from all other nights? And I love 
how this is incorporated into Passover and the tradition now, the more modern traditions of Passover. I love how this is incorporated because what it does is it gives children the ability to ask questions. We've talked about this a lot, so I don't want to belabor this point too long, but the point is how many of us maybe grew up in generations where you didn't ask questions? Anyway, okay, let's move on from there. Do as I say. Don't ask questions. We, I've heard that, not from you, mother, not from you, father. Like, yeah, just to be clear. But I've been told that, just don't ask that question. I remember when I started in ministry, I had some questions. I said, well, what about this? You know, we, we, just, we really don't ask that question. Who's we? <laughs> so, so we have this, this idea, this notion, we don't ask questions. And what that is turned to is it will turn to one of, likely one of two things. It will likely either turn to people filling in their own narratives, and it's, it's probably not the right one, by the way, or it will turn to a disdain for what it is that you were wanting to question. It'll turn to um, a rejection of it. And so what's so powerful in this Passover meal and this Seder is that it not only says, yeah, you can ask questions, it's built in. Ask questions. Question number one is, on all nights, we, we, only, we don't dip once into the, like, of the salty things. We don't dip. Why do we do it twice? So why do we do it twice tonight? The next question, and so, so then that's answered. There's an answer that's given. And the next question is, on, on, nights, on all nights we can eat leavened bread or unleavened bread, why only unleavened bread tonight? Answer given. The next question is, on all nights we eat all kinds of vegetables, why only the maror tonight? Lastly, on all nights we can eat sitting up or recline. Why are we all reclined tonight? Now, how, what's that about? What is that about? What do, what do we think that's? Let's, okay, we'll answer that. Well, let's go back. Let's go back. Let's go back to the first one. On all nights we don't dip. We, only, uh, we don't even dip at all. We don't dip our food in anything, like any salty, bitter thing. Why do we do that tonight? What, what do we think? There's lots of different... I'm not trying to trick anybody. All right. I can see. You just, uh. So here's, here's, here's why. Here's why. Number one is, remember what this is, this feast and this meal is about. It's about slavery but it's really about freedom. Right. We don't just stay slaves. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. If you want to argue with God about that, then you're keeping yourself a slave. So, freedom. The first one is to 
is which we dip the karpas represents the tears that were cried while in Egypt. Similarly, the second one reminds us of the labor that was put in the bondage that was put on people when we were in our slave condition. But it also is not to stay as a reflection of that, but also helps us to remember the freedom that we have. Do you remember when you were a slave to sin? Do you remember when sin was your master? And when you couldn't do anything but what sin told you to do. Do you remember that? Remember that. Do you remember being a slave? But do you remember when Jesus, your deliverer, came in and delivered you from that? Saved you. The focus is not on the bondage. The focus is not on the slavery that we were in, in sin. The focus is on Jesus saved me. He delivered me. Like when you consume this, there's a, a, a heaviness that's, that's associated with it, but there's also in that heaviness, there's an immediate liberation and an appreciation for what you have. Sometimes we forget. We don't, we don't always appreciate it. We forget the value of being free. So now we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are servants to Christ. And that word servant, Paul talks about this. Paul and other writers in the epistles, James and Peter referred to themselves, and I think John too, referred to themselves as bond servants. And a bond servant is somebody who willingly makes themselves, in essence, a, a slave in the service of their master. It's a bond servant is after years of their servitude, of their slavery, of their servitude, they're to be set free. But when they see, and this, this is Old Testament, but when it says when he sees his family and his master and he sees, I'd rather be a servant in my master's house than to try to be free on my own. What the master does is he takes the, the, the servant in front of the elders and the council in, the, in their town and he would take them and he would take an awl and he would bore it through his ear and it would be as a sign to everybody that he's willingly choosing to stay under that, that master's authority and in his house. So Paul, James, Peter, John, they refer to themselves as bondservants of the Lord Jesus Christ, saying that I was a slave to sin, but now I'm choosing to stay under the authority and, and the protection of my master. So the focus is not on our slavery to sin. It's on our service to our king. So that's answer number two. You want to, this is like around dinner we're talking about this. We're just chatting about this. Second question is, on all nights we eat leavened or unleavened bread. Why do we only eat unleavened bread tonight? Um, any thoughts on that? So, yeah, they didn't have time. Like, there was no time. There was immediacy. There was an immediacy. Um, let's maybe remind ourselves. And again, I know we can say, well, okay, I get it. Let's move on. No, no, no. 
you, we need to slow down and remind ourselves that sometimes the Lord, when he says it's time to go or it's time to change, he's not saying, you know, eventually. There was somebody who had a problem with letting go. We don't even know her name. We just know Jesus saying, remember Lot's wife. She had a problem letting go. And so she turns back to look. One of the most bizarre things happens. She gets turned into a pillar of salt. Have you had your hand? Oh, okay. That's... <laughs> That's like, okay, I'll go to bed, kids. Good night. <laughs> what? Um, because sometimes the Lord doesn't just say, well, like, eventually you figure it out. Or eventually make this change. Now. now. Like now. Now. I know that God is merciful. I know that he is kind. I know that he is good and full of grace. But he's giving us this message. There are some things you don't sit around and wait for. You do it now. Let me maybe just bring this to us tonight. There are some things that you have in your life that the Lord has been talking to you about. Don't negotiate about it any longer. Just do it. And you will not regret it. When you let go, when you let go, you will be free. Let me put it to you like this. Anyone ever been under heavy debt before? Has anybody ever known? Okay, don't be ashamed. It's all right. I'm raising my hand because I've been there. Anybody ever felt the weight of credit card debt? Credit card debt is, is the worst. It's terrible. Like, 18, 24%, terrible. And when you get out from underneath the weight of that debt, what do you want to do? Do it again? Just get back in there? I deserve this. I want to buy myself another, you know, whatever, like another PlayStation or whatever. Like, no, no. When you get out from debt, don't get back into it. Cut your credit card up. If you have problems with debt, that's a good place to start. Don't get back into it. Because it's liberating. This is the very same thing. When, when, you have, when you have something that needs to change in your life, it's not time to just sit around and wait and say, well, I guess let's kind of see how this whole thing plays out. Just do it. Just do it and trust God. Like, can you imagine all of Israel leaving Egypt, and you're sitting there going, well, I kind of really wanted this bread to rise. So I'll catch up. It's, it's fine. I'll catch up. And then you kind of like show up with your loaves, and you're like, this is really good bread. And all of a sudden, the, 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 the sea is going whoosh. What? What just happened? Because I go back to Egypt. 
So it's, it's, it's a matter of doing it quickly. Okay. Next couple questions here. I have to hurry. Um, on all nights, we eat all kinds of vegetables. Why on this night only the maror? Again, it goes back to slavery and, and the freedom dichotomy that exists. The maror, which is the bitter herbs, remind us, reminds us of the bitterness of slavery in Egypt. When you look back at our, our, our slavery to sin, we can't look back at it fondly saying those were the days. You can't look back at it like that. When you're free, finally free, you don't look back and you say those were the days. You're grateful. You're thankful. That's one of the problems that Israel had is when even in their freedom and in their liberty, they begin to moan and complain in the, in the wilderness. Saying, do you remember when we were back in Egypt? Do you remember when we were slaves? We don't have anything to eat out here. We're going to die of thirst out here. But back in Egypt when we were slaves, we could, we could eat as much as we wanted. We could eat as much bread and leeks and onions as we wanted. But here we're just, we're just going to die. God doesn't bring you out of slavery and bondage to destroy you. He brings you out to free you of it. So we don't look back fondly. We realize it for what it really was. And we recognize then the beauty of the liberty that we have in Christ. And then uh, number four, on all nights, and Lee, you'd ask the question why. On all nights, we eat sitting up or reclined. We can choose, but why are we reclined on this night? Um, there's some different reasons for that, but among those reasons are primarily, I mean, just in the, in the, the way that people ate, traditionally ate meals, that's one of the reasons why. People didn't have tables and chairs like we have tables and chairs. It's, a lot of them sat on cushions. Now, the first Passover... They didn't eat sitting down and reclined. They ate with their walking stick in their hand, their feet with their shoes on, their sandals on, their clothes ready to go. They were ready to go. They ate standing up. That's when you're in bondage and you're waiting to get free. But you recline because of the freedom that you're in. And you go, I don't, like, because here's the problem, is that when you are free, and you're constantly looking over your shoulder, wondering when you're going to be captured again. You're not really free. But when you're free and you realize there is nothing anyone can do to bring me back to that, please, if you want to bring me back to that, you have to talk to my father. You have to talk to Jesus. And what's he going to do? You say, well, that, that son, that daughter has my name. You can't have them. So we sit back in many ways in leisure because you don't have to worry about it. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. If you've ever been to jail, I'm not talking to you, Lee. I'll just, I'll just, it's not a thing. It's not a thing, okay? Please, it's not a thing. It's not a thing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Oh, I feel like I'm going to make, you know, you're going to see my picture on the, you know, I'm the Lord. Former pastor said this, like, okay. <laughs> if you've ever been to jail, if you've ever been pulled over, it's not getting better. Um, I don't know. Like, if you have a history with the law, 
like anytime you see law enforcement in your rear view mirror, what are you thinking? Your blood pressure goes up, you start to sweat, you start to roll through your mind. I'm pretty sure I put my blinker on, I'm not speeding that much, you know, like I, my tabs aren't expired. You start going through all of these things in your head because you don't want to go through that again. But when you're free, when you're free, you, when you, you know you haven't done anything long, you could just sit back and enjoy the ride. So that's why we don't sit up and stand up. I'm just anxious. Just sit back and enjoy it. Okay. After this, this is a really cool part, and I'll close with this here tonight. And um, then we have a testimony from, from Lee, so we want to hear from him. After this, um, the Passover story is recited. And the neat thing about the Passover story being recited is some traditions, some Jews in their traditional observation of Passover, for every time one of the plagues is mentioned, they will dip their finger in their, in their wine or their juice, and they'll put it on their plate. And the reason that they do that is because it's out of compassion for the Egyptians. It's out of compassion. Because it's easy to love those that love you. But he doesn't say love those that love you. He says that's what sinners do. Bless those that curse you. Love those that hate you and despitefully use you out of compassion. And you can't fake your way through that. You can't just, eh, I don't really, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm just not going to work my way through that. Can I tell you, you've been, so like, we're like, oh, this Passover meal, that's so Old Testament, that doesn't have anything to do with us. Yes, it does. It's part of our story. It's something where the Lord is revealing to us and is just, and on that night, his disciples are saying, you know, all of this thing in the Passover, it's actually all fulfilled in me. We'll, um, we'll end with that here tonight. There's a, there's a couple other things that I, I would mention, but I think that's a good place to stop. Lee, why don't you come on up? Lee had approached me before Bible study this evening and had mentioned that he has a uh, testimony to share.